Welcome to Podcast Impact, where we interview and share stories of people who are making a difference in Morgan County. Our host is Ed Kamanowski, Executive Director of CFMC, and he's talking with people who have become philanthropic leaders and are working with others to improve their communities. Here's a chance to learn how you can make an impact, too. All right, well, good morning. Uh, it's a pleasure to be sitting here uh, with, with Ms. Keeley Wright who is the executive director of the Kendrick Foundation. I've heard of this Kendrick Foundation before, Keely. It's, it sounds familiar. Um, but I uh, wanted to be able to do this podcast with you today, uh, introduce you to the community. I know some folks have been able to, to visit with you. Uh, but we are super pleased that you're here. Um, for, the, for those folks who don't know, Keely is the first ever executive director of the Kendrick Foundation. Uh, obviously, CFMC and the Kendrick Foundation still have a very close relationship and, and work together, uh, but we're really excited about it. So, Keely, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, unfortunately, you have to see me probably more often than you want, uh, but uh, uh, tell everybody kind of about your, your background and, and, and work experience and, and kind of why the Kendrick Foundation, when you saw the opportunity, like, oh, I can't wait to go work with Ed Kamenowski, or <laughs> I guess maybe the Kendrick Foundation. Okay. Um, well, my career has largely been in public health. Um, in 2003, um, I got my first real job after graduating from the University of Wisconsin in Madison um, at Open Door BMH Health Center. Um, and there I was working doing outreach for the, the health center, but um, specifically focusing on trying to get more um, children and pregnant women enrolled in Hoosier HealthWise. Um, so Open Door BMH Health Center is a federally qualified health center, so it serves um, the uninsured, underinsured, and underserved population sure. providing health care. Um, and then I moved on to the Indiana State Department of Health in, the, in a public affairs position working with um, 21 local health departments to do their um, crisis and emergency risk communications um, as well as their day-to-day -day public affairs. Um, during that time, I was working on my master's degree at Ball State University um, in wellness management and applied gerontology with a minor in business. Um, so I was able to, to live in Muncie, but to um, <clears throat> and work remotely serving those, those local health departments. Um, during my internship with InShape Indiana, which was um, Governor Daniels at the time health initiative, um, <clears throat> I, um, I was recruited by the American Cancer Society to take on a position um, managing the Comprehensive Cancer Control Program, um, which was also at the State Department of Health. It was a contract position. So um, cancer is something that um, is deeply personal to me. I've had several people in my inner circle um, who have been diagnosed with cancer or multiple types of cancer. Um, so that was definitely of interest. Um, it's also an area where I felt like I can make an impact because um, the ma majority of cancer deaths are preventable um, through lifestyle and behavioral modification. Um, things like um, not smoking, um, eating more fruits and vegetables, maintaining a healthy weight, getting enough physical activity daily, 
um, getting recommended vaccines and screenings. Um, so I really felt like th there was an opportunity there for me to make a positive impact. And if I could just prevent one person from hearing the words, you have cancer, sure. my whole career would have been worthwhile. Yeah. Um, so I did that for about 10 years prior to coming to, um, coming to the Kendrick Foundation. And I think the thing that attracted me to the position um, is really, um, the again, the potential for impact and the potential to help um, people um, live a healthy lifestyle um, and have a better quality of life. Um, and I, I think that there, like I said, is such, such an opportunity here um, as far as creating a culture of health um, that supports healthy behaviors and makes the healthy choice the easy choice. Um, so I know that we have, uh, we have a tremendous amount of resources um, for the community in the way of um, financial support through our grants and our scholarships, but I think um, you know, we can play an even bigger role in creating that culture of health through um, influencing the policy systems and environments that, like I said, support healthy behavior. Yeah, I love it. I, you know, even in just a short amount of time, I've, I've learned so much from you already, just from your background. And, and you know, we were kind of talking about this idea of public health and, um, you know, learning from folks like the Fairbanks Foundation and others who've been in space for a long time. Um, one of the things that I, I think Kendrick Foundation in our community is known primarily for is, is the grants and scholarships. And we can save scholarships for another day, but, you know, grants is really kind of this this larger scale side of the funding. So it, at any year, it could be, you know, seven to $800,000 up to a million dollars. And I, I think for people who are listening to this in the community, it's a lot of money. It's mm -hmm. a lot of money that goes out. And, and just quickly for folks who don't know, when Kendrick Memorial Hospital uh, existed here in Mooresville, it was a community hospital, community owned. And when Franciscan Alliance purchased that, those proceeds went into a foundation, eventually becoming a private foundation, which is the Kendrick Foundation. And so um, Kendrick Foundation doesn't really fundraise for, for new things, uh, like a lot of nonprofit organizations. It's, it's a true endowment that every single year grants out a certain amount. So just kind of wanted to throw that little disclaimer out there because I think people hear <coughs> about the Kendrick Foundation, but they may not know the history or, or, or how this all works. So. Um, on the grant side of it, I know it's 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 kind of been your your first uh, go through with some of the grantees, but um, there's three priority areas that Kendrick is really focused on. Can you touch on those just a little bit, so so folks who may not know? Yeah, so the um, Kendrick Foundation has three priority areas, um, and those are um, substance abuse, mental health, and obesity, um, and those very much align with the top health needs as identified in Franciscan Health's um, 2019 to 2021 um, Community Health Needs Assessment Report for the county. Um, so <clears throat> they are on point as far as, you know, where we need to focus our resources. Do you, just in a, a first, and you've been out meeting with grantees, um, I know you never, it's like, you know, when you stand in front of a room and you try to thank people. You're never supposed to do it because there's going to be somebody in the crowd be like, "Oh, thanks. You never. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should have thanked me. And yeah. Never, thanks for overlooking. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but just you know, are there a couple grantees that maybe one per each of those three areas that you've worked with that 
you know, so for when someone says, well, how does the Kendrick Foundation make its decisions? You know, that's always tough because, you know, just like at CFMC, we get five to six times as many mm -hmm. requests as we can fund, and that's just the nature of it. And so it, it's, well, you know, do they close the door and turn on a blue light? You know, how does that really work? And I think um, I would like the community to know on, for the Kendrick Foundation, well, CFMC, that you know, it's a really thorough process. You know, the board of directors and the grants committee take this very seriously, and it comes down to making really, really difficult decisions among a lot of very good organizations with good programs. And as much as you would love to fund everyone, you, this, the, the funding just isn't simply there. So, um, kind of just maybe, you know, maybe one, two, three, whatever it happens to be, and just explain how that applies into maybe that priority area. Okay. Well, like you mentioned, it is an extremely competitive process, so there's more demand than supply. Um, and w what we look for first and foremost, I think, is alignment with those three priority areas. Um, and then how... <clears throat> How those organizations can demonstrate that they are implementing evidence-based um, or best practices to address those priority areas um, and then two how they how they can demonstrate their outcomes so how effective is what they're doing as far as addressing those priority areas um, so for for substance abuse I think um, you know we have a, a large grant with Centerstone um, to provide um, behavioral health specialists um, in a school setting. Um, so that's, that's one example. Um, and that's really their, you know, their area of expertise. Right. Um, we have a, a, a grant with Youth First um, to embed social workers in, um, in schools here in Morgan County. So they're working at um, Paul Hadley Middle School and um, Bell Intermediate Academy um, and those social workers are, are serving as mentors for kids who are kind of at risk um, for, for different, whether it be mental health issues or substance abuse um, or just they just need a supportive person right. in their life to help them navigate right. things. Um, so I think, you know, Youth First does a really good job and they have the capacity um, you know, to write a really strong grant application um, and, and to actually do the work and show the outcomes. Um, and then for kind of the, the obesity priority area, um, we're working with um, the YMCA, also in partnership with IU Health Morgan, um, on the uh, Morgan Adult Diet and Exercise Programming um, that's offered at the YMCA. Um, multiple cohorts. Um, this year they've expanded um, into Mooresville as well um, here at the Mount Gilead Community Center um, to offer programming and, and they're at capacity there. There's a wait list for the program at um, the Martinsville YMCA, the Barbara B. Jordan YMCA in Martinsville. Um, so they're, they're introducing um, adults to different types of physical activity that, you know, just to see you know what they like and you know what might work for them to do consistently um, as you know a change in their lifestyle and a healthy habit um, as far as physical activity is concerned and then they also have a, an IU health dietitian come and work with the participants on 
um, you know, a healthy diet and what that means and how to prepare meals, how to read um, labels, um, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, um, uh, and if anybody would, uh, I'll, we'll mention this again, but you know, please visit KendrickFoundation.org um, and then uh, the new annual report will be done soon, so mm -hmm. you, you can look at that as well. Um, but it's got the information about grants and, and some of the other uh, details that you might want to know. I think um, this is kind of you know kind of how the the sausage is made, or you know how you how you make the soup. Um, both being two organizations that give out grants, and you know just mentioned briefly that you know we do take it very seriously, and and it's it's very difficult decisions, and and we do have many many more times the amount of requests that we can fund and, and so how do you you navigate through that and, and I think for someone listening they would say okay well that's that's great Ed I hear what you're saying and I can look at your grants and maybe I help with that understand but you know at the day what does success look like uh, and I think one of the things that both organizations challenge themselves with and, and I, I say this because you mentioned it you know outcomes that you know if if someone is coming in and they need a service, whatever that happens to be, and 20 people came in for service, their need was met, and then they walked out the door. We refer that to as kind of an input-output model. And the idea of an outcome is that if those 20, 25 people come to the front door and they have a need, is there something within the programming that we can support that enables them either to not to need to come back for the programming or to make them more sustainable or what is this level of service that we can provide that will have a higher outcome? Um, you've worked a lot with kind of the outcome side of it and that tends to be kind of this un misunderstood side of, of a grant maker. Can you just touch on that briefly about why outcomes are important? Well, I think as a funder and even on the other side of it as, as a grantee or right. an organization that's actually doing this work, we wanna see what, what difference is, is this work making in the lives of those we serve um, and so yeah we're not just looking at how many people were served we're looking at what difference did it make so um, for example I've been working with the grantees um, this year on action plans and having um, smart objectives so specific measurable attainable relevant and time-faced um, looking at things like not we want to serve 400 people this year necessarily, but more like, um, you know, of the people who were served through this program, the kids who were served through this program, they improved their attendance by 50% or 50% of them or 80% of them improved their attendance over the course of the school year. Or we had, for those who were served through this program, there were... 80% less discipline referrals. Um, so looking at looking at those those kinds of things, um, or you know, another example for a different priority area, um, you know, for those who participated in this program, you know, 95% of them had a improved body mass index. So it's really showing that the the program programming is effective and it's doing it's having the intended outcome. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I think it's, um, I, in many ways, you and I enjoy that side of, of we, I guess we wouldn't sit in the seats that we sit in if we didn't enjoy. I think it's, it's the goal is to improve the quality of life. And so looking at it specifically through the lens of that program or that grantee 
and understanding what what differences make because I think the other side of this is not only for the Kendrick Foundation but for the Community Foundation we are stewarding assets mm -hmm. that others have provided to us and it's it's an honor it's a privilege to be able to have these types of roles in the community but we also take very seriously that when grants are going out and supports going out to the community that we can tell everyone who's listening we're, we're doing our best to make a difference and the way that we do that is providing some outcomes and some data back to you so that way we can say that yes we're being good stewards of the the resources yeah and I think you know an, an, an additional thing as a funder is what is our return on investment right. so being able to to kind of articulate that back to our board and our community as far as we're investing these dollars and this is what we're getting in return is important yeah absolutely I well thank you for that I think it's it's um, it's fun to have that conversation I and mean, again it's it's what we do and what we enjoy so uh, we're gonna take a very quick break uh, and we'll be back with Ms. Keeley Wright, who's the executive director of the Kendrick Foundation. Do you know where your charitable dollars actually go? Or have you ever asked if what you're giving to nonprofits is actually making a difference? Since the announcement of the War on Poverty, the federal government has spent nearly $20 trillion and we still have more poverty. The Community Foundation of Morgan County doesn't believe this should be the case. We use private dollars to support nonprofit organizations whose mission is to lift people out of poverty, not just sustain them. We believe in philanthropy with a measurable impact. Your charitable dollars should be an investment in something or someone with the promise of a social return on your investment. We think differently about making an impact through giving. Please join us and learn how we can increase the impact of your philanthropic dollars. Visit philanthropywithimpact.org. That's philanthropywithimpact.org, where we match your gifts dollar for dollar. All right, Keely. Not bad, right? I mean, we're almost halfway through. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to shift gears, and I appreciated kind of the, the first part of our conversation about grants, and, and I would encourage people to visit the website um, to learn more about it. Um, and again, with, with Keely's background, but... There's a couple of things that, that you you say that I'm, I'm always very intrigued by, uh, and we're not gonna have time to get to everything, but this idea of a culture of health and prevention. And we know statistically, if you wanna look at the numbers, that X number of dollars, if you invest in prevention models, then you know that dollar is gonna have a greater impact than on the treatment side of it. So I think, anyone listening would say well yeah that makes sense because you're preventing something before you have to treat something and so from a this idea of public health which can kind of be this I mean we hear from time like well public what does that really mean um, can you talk about you know this global idea of, of public health which may be too big but maybe down to a culture of health and why prevention is so important yeah I think um Yeah, I think I think it's a, a good investment. I mean, speaking just you know strictly from the finances side of things, um, and yet it's still kind of a hard sell because you know you if you invest a dollar into prevention now, you're you know you can't really show that 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years down the road um, necessarily that that was able to. Um, 
prevent someone's disease because right. it never happened. I right. mean, you know, in theory, it never happened. And I've heard, um, you know, all sorts of different race, like um, sayings, I don't know, estimates for, you know, a dollar of prevention is $6 saved in, in treatment or chronic disease right. expense. And, you know, that, that number always varies. Um, but I think when you are um, practicing healthy behaviors and living a healthy lifestyle, um, you're really setting yourself up for success down the road and to, to not have to endure different um, challenges that are health related um, that can adversely affect your quality of life and get in the way of the things that you actually want to accomplish. Um, so, so my personal experience, and you've heard this before, is just that growing up I had, I was um, an athlete and I, um, I played volleyball. I went to, vol uh, to, to college on a volleyball scholarship um, and I, as I ended up getting injured and being chronically injured um, and eventually had to have um, a medical hardship scholarship and I attributed my body breaking down to really poor nutrition as I was growing up. And so um, that's kind of how I got to where I am as far as my career is concerned is I didn't want anybody else to have to go through that. And there are um, you know, a lot of people who go through a lot worse. Um, but I was fortunate enough to recognize that in my 20s um, when I could, you know, make changes to kind of turn that around. Um, but I, I, I just think it's, you know, a, a good investment for all, us, all of us to, to really think about, um, you know, how our choices impact our health. And our health really impacts, you know, our our livelihood, our quality of life, um, and what and what we're doing too is modeling for, you know, our kids right. or 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 other people who look up to us. Um, so, I and I think that, you know, you mentioned listening to I think NPR on your way back from Florida, um, and they were talking about how you know in order. In order for people to be healthy, it has to be easy, right, or right. maybe that wasn't the exact context. But um, so that's why I'm always talking about we have to make the healthy choice the easy choice. Right. Um, so examples of that could be like having bike lanes or trails, so people can have um, access to to um, opportunities for physical activity. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is, um, you know, having um, healthy options uh, as far as in vending machines, in, in school lunches, um, for, for fundraisers instead of having, you know, selling candy. We sell, we don't even have to sell anything that's food. We can sell trash bags or, or, or something like that. Um, uh, also making the healthy choice maybe the most cost-effective choice so the water might be a dollar in the vending machine and the soda might be two dollars right. um, those kinds of things um, when you're having if you're a business if you're having a, a luncheon or a conference making sure that what's offered is is in fact healthy um, healthy food options um, 
so those are the uh, and then like as as organizations too um, or employers you know having policies that like paid time off for employees to go and get preventive screenings right. um, those kinds of policies so really looking at you know how the environment supports health in a, in a lot of different ways yeah I think it's and I think that's kind of it takes it from the personal to this larger conversation about overall for us for for Morgan County Health and you know I'll, I'll kind of take it to um, you know if you take the idea of a snowball and you roll it through the yard you know it just the more you roll it the, the more dense it get, you know it gets larger and larger and I happen to be uh, watching the uh, MMA fight you know a couple of weeks ago and I was laughing because they, you know, now granted they're uh, they're you know probably half my age, but whatever. And so same size, or same you know same height and everything, and they weigh about forty pounds less. And and I laughed because I thought, well, I don't eat terribly, you know, I probably don't exercise as much as I would like. I think time is is an issue, some of that, and work, and and you, there are reasons why we, our behaviors are where they are, mm -hmm. um, because when I think about well, if I was to lose. Um, let's say 10 to 15 pounds. Well, what does 10 to 15 pounds really look like and why does it matter? And I use that analogy of saying, okay, well, um, if you think about picking up two five pound dumbbells and you walk around with it all day long, every single day, that's 10 pounds. And so because it, it's so easy to build, and so just like the, the, the radio, you know, these, our behaviors are amassed over time and they're easy to get in. Uh, and then at some point if we say, well, we'd like to modify that behavior, it's really difficult then to say, well, my lifestyle, there's so much has been built on some of these behaviors, you know, so whether it's smoking or eating or, and so to change those behaviors. So I would, I love McDonald's. I loved, I'd eat it every single day, but I also know that it's not good for me just because of nutritional value and some of the other things, sodium, you know, could go all these different factors. And so, how do you then as a community begin to make these different types of choices, not to say anything's wrong with McDonald's, anybody. Um, mm. But I think that's part of the goal of the, these conversations and I'm excited to learn more from you about that is how do we educate ourselves? I never went to the store and read a label on a can or a product until about two years ago. Uh, and so now whenever I shop and when I buy things, I'm looking at that because now I understand from a nutritional side because of my relationship to the Kendrick Foundation and seeing that certain behaviors and certain lifestyle choices, and I'm just using nutrition as an example, the outcome, the effect that it has on the body. And so if I have that information, you know, it's important then I would say to, to share it to the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, as promised, we're, we're running out of time, but I, I did want to tackle one, one quick thing, and, and you do talk a, a lot about, and I'm learning all your acronyms the same way that you're kind of learning ours. Um, you talk about PSE. Um, mm. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, so um, in my former life, um, we, we had a lot of grants with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, and one thing they started really pushing with us as far as um, to complement the programmatic work is to, um, to support policy systems and environmental changes 
um, that promote healthy behaviors. Um, and so I, I have mentioned a few examples already, but um, using um, you know, our CDC grant at the time um, that was really looking at um, cancer prevention for the whole state of Indiana. But um, we had four policy priorities and one was to, um, to have a um, comprehensive smoke-free air law for the state of Indiana. Um, the second was to <coughs> increase um, taxes per pack of cigarettes to be in line with um, CDC recommend recommendations. Um, the third was to um, increase the number of complete streets policies um, at the, the local level. Um, so that's really like bike lanes, um, making it so any any person can use um, roadways um, safely, um, whether it's it's somebody who's biking or in a car or somebody who may have a disability. Um, <clears throat> and then the last one was to require 30 minutes of physical activity daily in elementary schools. So those are examples of um, different uh, policy systems and environmental changes that um, would really support healthy behavior. Um, and it, and it, it, those are things that are sustainable um, as far as with programming, you know, once that program is over, you know, there's, if there's no funding to continue that program, then it, it, it's hard to ensure the sustainability of those behaviors. Um, and, and the PSC, for the most part, um, should stand the test of time. Um, so, and, and they really complement each other. So that's, that's one thing that I've learned in this role is it's not one or the other. The programming is really good as far as increasing awareness or educating people, increasing awareness, introducing them to the different, the different behaviors. Um, helping them to be more likely to change or to make those changes. But if the environment and the policies and, and systems within their communities don't support those behaviors, they're more likely to go back to or default to um, their previous behaviors, right. which are easy right. <laughs> because the, you know, we, we are a product of our environment, I think is really kind of what you were saying earlier. Um, and so it's really important that, you know, everything in someone's environment is to the extent possible supportive of a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, the, the, the grant about the healthy beverages, um, as I sit here with a, a Coke in front of me, but... Um, <laughs> everything in moderation. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I always thought, well, healthy beverages is, is, is important. Uh, you know, I don't... Um, I'm not Mayor Bloomberg and, you know, going to put it, you know, say what you, you can or can't drink it for a sugary. Um, but what I think has been very interesting through that process and I, as I've learned and hopefully, you know, everyone listening in the, the community over time will kind of ha hopefully have the same experience as I've been able to have is it's not just that the sugary beverage is bad. It's just that when you make that sugary choice all the time that your body physiologically begins to react to that. You know, your insulin pump starts running, which means that you can't lose weight. That means you start, you know, the human body is this really amazing complex thing. So I think sometimes as someone who's new to the types of conversations that you're having with Morgan County, 
is that, oh, well, you know, it's just a Coke or it's just a sugary beverage. It is, um, except for the fact that now we have enough data and science has taught us that prolonged use of certain things, whether it's smoking, whether it's alcohol, uh, different types of drugs, they have severe impacts on our bodies. And so therefore, our quality of life dramatically changes. And so would we rather not make a, a healthy choice, quote unquote, giving the information and the data, which is still a personal choice, we all have that personal choice, but it, you know, now, just like I said with reading a can, I now have the information I need to make healthier choices. And I think because of that, I'm having a higher quality of life and will hopefully, I could get my bus tomorrow, it's hard to right. say, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, just now understanding what physiologically what's happening whenever I consume food, it's not just I'm eating, it's I'm putting something into my body to maintain the system to be as good as I can possibly be, which in some ways ruins eating, but in other ways it's actually very exciting because you now, I feel like I'm in control of my health for the first time that I have probably in my entire life. Yeah. So um, there you go, That's, there's my, my personal admonition for <laughs> uh, for why it's important. But uh, at any rate, uh, Keely, thank you so much for the time today, really appreciate it. Um, I would encourage everybody to, to go to the Kendrick Foundation website, uh, reach out to Keely if you have any questions. All of her contact information is there. I think as far as the community, we're thrilled that you're here and you're gonna bring a level of expertise in this idea of creating a culture of health here. Uh, we are, what, 49th out of 92 counties in overall health rankings. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we've got some work to do. Yep. All right, well, thank you. Appreciate Thanks for it. having me. Thanks for listening to Podcast Impact where people just like you are creating change in Morgan County. Visit cfmconline.org today to learn more about how to get involved and see the impact you can make.